a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, it's so great to see you this morning. Welcome to Jubilee. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Graham. I lead the team that leads uh, Jubilee Church. And uh, I have to say I'm thrilled to be back after a, a couple of weeks break over Christmas. I trust you had a, had a nice break and uh, did some fun things. But it's really good to be back together again. And uh, I'm thrilled to be back preaching again. And oh, I got a cheer there. That was nice. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to later this year, uh, I'm trusting, going to be preaching through the book of Daniel. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. That actually, my preferred way of preaching is to take a book of the Bible and, and to preach through it. I think it's a good way of doing it. I think it means that you cover things that sometimes you might avoid otherwise if you had a choice, because uh, you have to tackle the difficult passages. Uh, but it's also good to get us into Scripture, it gets us to, to see a whole book, see what God's saying. Uh, and so I'm beginning to prepare that and looking forward to, to sharing that with you. Um, so if you want something to read, then, then maybe read through Daniel, that would be good. You'd be a, be a little bit ahead of the game there, I'm sure that would uh, help. But just for these next couple of weeks, today and next week, <clears throat> it's a bit different, a bit more of a prophetic thrust. I, I felt God speak to me about some things at the back end of last year. And uh, I want to kick off this year uh, with those things, okay? So I'm not going to preach through a book as such, um, but these are some things that have been bubbling away inside me, if you like, I feel good talking about, and I'm trusting that God will speak to us through it, okay? So that's where, that's the, that's the small. So should we pray, and let's see what God has for us. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your words uh, in the scriptures. And we pray, God, that as we open it together now, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher? Help us to understand what we read. Would you apply it to our lives? We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, this morning's title, if you're making notes, uh, is this. It's called Letting the River Flow. Letting the river flow. And uh, I, I guess it's really for a, a, a few, two or three months now that this subject, this sort of preach, this message has been bubbling away. I thought God speak to me about it some time ago. At the end of last year, I was uh, traveling to a regional training day up in Darlington. And uh, on the way there, was praying a little bit about this, was listening to uh, a message that spoke into it. Uh, when, we, when we got there during the worship, there was a prophetic word that I felt fed into it as well. Uh, and then Jeremy Simpkins, who uh, uh, leads the New Frontiers region that we're part of, he was teaching on that, that Thursday morning. And, uh, and he was preaching uh, into the subject of uh, handling the presence of God. Uh, and really, I felt that God was sort of ambushing me, if you like, because I felt that he'd been speaking to me. The, uh, the talk I'd listened to in the car was fed into it, the prophetic word and, and the message, all, all tied together. Uh, and I really felt that God was speaking uh, a word to me that I wanted to share on a Sunday morning. And so this morning, we're going to look at the subject of letting the river flow. And next week, we're going to uh, look at valuing the presence of God. 
Okay, so next week, valuing the presence of God. This morning, letting the river flow. And the passage we're going to look at in a moment is in the book of Ezekiel. And you may want to be finding that, turning to it now, if you've got a Bible with you. Uh, you want to find the book of Ezekiel. Uh, it's at the back end of the Old Testament, so find the Gospels and work backwards. Uh, so find Matthew, keep going back in your Bible. You'll go past some minor prophet, prophets. And uh, you'll find Daniel there, so you might want to stick a finger in that. Uh, make a note of where Daniel is. And then just before that, you'll find Ezekiel. And we'll look at Ezekiel in a second. But to give you some background on this guy, Ezekiel was a prophet. He was a priest uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, he lived uh, in this time when the, uh, a lot of the people were taken off in exile to a place called Babylon by, by King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was taken off there in about 597 BC. And so he wasn't in his homeland. He wasn't in the place that was familiar to him. He'd been taken off to exile. And uh, in this context, at the back end of Ezekiel, God speaks to him quite powerfully. And he gives him a vision of the future. So Ezekiel's in a place that he doesn't really want to be in, a place that is unfamiliar to him. But God speaks to him very powerfully and shows him how it's going to be in the future. And particularly with reference to the temple. And in chapter 40 of Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel is shown uh, a vision of the temple in the future. And in chapter 43, the presence of God returns to the temple. That's probably Ezekiel's favourite bit, because he'd seen the presence of God go from the temple and then sort of God showed him that the presence of God was going to come back in Ezekiel 43. But I want us to look at this one, Ezekiel 47. So if you found Ezekiel, and you want to turn please with me to, uh, to chapter 47, we'll read just a few verses together. Verse 1. So this is in Ezekiel's vision, and this is the, uh, a guy that's showing Ezekiel how things are going to be. So he's shown in the temple, he's shown the presence of God returns to the temple. And now chapter, uh, chapter 47, verse 1, it says, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple, face east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, he then brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. So previously in Ezekiel's vision, he's been shown this temple. Uh, so now he's going back here and, and he's being walked round. And he sees water flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. That's about 500 metres, okay? He measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, and now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the, in, in, into the Araba, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. 
Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand there along the shore from Engidi to En Eglain. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Okay, so we've got a vision here that Ezekiel is being shown of a river that is flowing out of the temple, out of the temple of God. And consistently throughout Scripture, the river is used as a, as a picture, if you like, of the presence of God. So that's what Ezekiel is seeing here. It's, it's a picture, if you like, of the presence of God flowing out from the temple. But notice it's flowing, isn't it? It's moving. It's not a static thing. It's not just sort of sitting there. There's some movement to it and some energy to it. Now, I'm not quite sure what you call a river that doesn't flow. I guess it's a pond, isn't it? I guess if it's not going anywhere. But rivers flow. They go somewhere. And that's what's happening here with the presence of God. It's moving. It's on the move from the temple out. God, if you like, is on the move. For those of you who have seen The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe or who have read the book by C.S. Lewis, there's that phrase, isn't there, where, where they say, Aslan is on the move. And sort of, you know, spine chingles. And you think, ah, he's coming back. It's all good. But just like that, the river here is on the move. The presence of God is on the move. And the implication, friends, for us is that we too should be on the move. Not necessarily physically, I'm not suggesting you all have to move house, but I'm saying spiritually speaking, we should all be moving in the presence of God. We should all be moving, going somewhere. I wonder, are you growing? All of us are growing older, aren't we? Whether we like it or not, every year we we grow older. But as well as growing older, I wonder, are you growing in God's? If you're a Christian here this morning, if you're someone who loves Jesus, let me ask you this. Looking back over the last 12 months, which is often what we do at this sort of time of year, isn't it? Look back and then look forwards. If you look back over the last 12 months, I'm not sure why it's in that direction, but let's just imagine it is. <laughs> On the noisy side. If you look back over 12 months, have you grown as a Christian? Look back 12 months ago. Look back to January 2010. What was it like for you as a Christian? What was your relationship with God like? What was your experience of him? How did you grow in those months of 2010 through to where we are now at the beginning of 2011? Have you grown in those 12 months? See, we we should be on the move. We should be growing in God. I wonder what's your plan for growing in God this year in this direction for some unknown reason? Well, what's your plan for growing in God this year, in 2011? Have you got a plan? Have you thought about it? Have you thought about how you might grow in God this year? Because, friends, if you just leave it to chance, if you like, if you just think, well, I guess I probably will, then I guess you probably won't. 
Somebody once said, if you fail to have a plan, then you plan to fail. So I want to ask you, what's your plan for this year? How are you going to grow in God's? What are you going to do? Now for me, some of you will know this uh, already, uh, for me I've decided that this year I'm going to read through the Bible. And, and I've made it quite public already because I felt that the more people know about it, the more chance I've got of success. Because there are more people that are going to be on my case going, so how's it going? <laughs> How are you doing? So for me, that's quite helpful. Now, I know lots of you are going to ask me now. So, so far it's going well. We're, what, nine days in and, and it's all good. I'm, I'm on target. But I've decided one of the things that I want to do this year to grow in God is to read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Done it before, I thought, oh, I need to do it again. So that's one of the things I'm going to do this year. I wonder, what are you going to do this year to grow in God? You might want to do that. You might say, that's a good thing. I'm going to do that as well. There might be something else for you. What is it that you're going to do to grow in God this year? Anyway, back to the river. That's what we need to get to. Are you, are you flowing with the river? Are you flowing with the presence of God? Now, I've got three things to say about this river here in Ezekiel. So if you've got your Bible, just keep them open in front of you. Ezekiel 47, we'll refer to a few verses here. If you notice from verse 3, Ezekiel gets led into the river. So the man takes his, uh, takes his measuring line and then leads Ezekiel through the water. So it starts off being ankle deep, doesn't it? It's just a trickle to start with, almost like a glorified puddle. And he's just sort of trickling around his ankles. He leads him a bit further and it's up to his knees. He goes further and it comes up to his waist. And further still, uh, and he can't walk in it anymore. He has to swim in it. So Ezekiel here experiences something of the river. I found it interesting that what doesn't happen here is he's just shown the river. What could have happened is the man could have said to him, Ezekiel, come here, I want to show you the river. Look over there, there it is. And do you see how it gets a bit deeper? Do you see over there he gets deeper still? It doesn't happen. Ezekiel gets led through it, so he experiences the river himself. Point number one, God wants you to get into the river of his presence. God wants you to get into the river of his presence. Not just a view from the sidelines, but to get in. See, it's very easy to sit on the sidelines and watch, isn't it? You know, it's very easy even on a Sunday morning to to sit and just to to watch others experiencing the presence of God and to, to observe from the sidelines. And just to sort of sit and watch, and you're not actually getting involved yourself, and you're not experiencing the presence of God, his river for yourself, because it's easier sometimes just to sit and watch. But what this teaches us is you need to get in. You need to get into it. And not just to paddle either, not just to get your feet wet, but to swim. Lydia and Kezia out to uh, older kids started swimming lessons this week for the, for the first time. Now, now, we've taken them swimming before, so they're familiar with being in a pool, but well, they've started proper swimming lessons. And so it was, it was great to watch them being taught how to swim. And uh, it isn't just by, you know, sitting on the side and, and having a class about it. Now, they don't just sit there and, uh, and look at a board and the teacher says, well, this is what you do with your legs and this is what you do with your arms and this is, this is how you do it. Okay, now you understand how to swim. It doesn't happen like that. They get into the water 
Now, they've they got some floats on, they've got some armbands and stuff, which is good. But they experience it. Like, they're not just told about it, they get into it. And they've got teachers around them who can help them. We were there with uh, another family we know, and uh, the mum was saying, it's a bit different, actually, when one of her kids had swimming lessons somewhere else. The teachers didn't get in the pool. They just the kids were in on their own. And I said, well, that's a bit like, you know, learn to, <laughs> to swim or sink, isn't it? And this is different. There was somebody with them, and they were helped, and they were shown what to do. They weren't just watching from the sidelines. They were experiencing it for themselves. God wants you to get into the river of his presence, even this morning. I remember a couple of years ago, we were fortunate enough to have a holiday in Greece. And uh, I, I remember being there, and I think Sarah and the kids were in the, in the pool at the hotel, having a great time playing around in the water. And we got to know another family as well, and they were there with their kid in the pool and stuff. And I was, I was sitting on the side, I was thinking... It's going to be cold. He's outside. It might be in a warm country, but it's a pool. He's outside. I don't want to get in. And I remember sitting there for, for a while. I think it may have even been a few days. Thinking, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to get wet. You know, I'm quite happy sitting at the side. I've got a nice book. You know, I'm relaxed. It's a good holiday. And meanwhile, the rest of my family are in the water having a great time. And suddenly it hit me. Suddenly, I realised I shouldn't be on the sidelines watching them. I should be in the water with them, playing, enjoying, experiencing it for myself and for them. And so I jumped in and, and got on with it. But it took me a few days to do it because I think, oh, it's going to be cold, it's going to be all wet. And I just came up with all sorts of excuses. But there came a point where I realised that I needed to get in the water. Friends, this morning, I want to urge you, encourage you, teach from God's word that God wants you to get into the river of his presence. Point one. Point two. The next lot of verses from 7 through to 12, you'll, you'll see there that the river causes change. The river actually brings life. Did you notice here that Ezekiel starts seeing trees on either side of the banks here? And then we're told that as the river flows into the sea, it actually changes the, the nature of the sea from being salty to being fresh. And there are lots of fish there. The river brings change and the river brings life. Point number two is this. God's presence brings life. God's presence brings life. Now for you it may not be trees or fish but I wonder what, it, what is it in your life? What is it that God is bringing to life? What, what fruits is there? What change is going on? The New Year's are often about resolutions aren't they? Anybody make a New Year's resolution? Some of you are thinking yeah we did that. How, how are you doing with it so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. You know, it's that sort of time of year, isn't it? We think, oh, I'm going to determine to do better. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the gym every day. Or I'm going to, whatever it might be, eat healthier or, you know, whatever it is you decide for yourself. So I'm not talking about making a New Year's resolution here. This is different. This is about God doing something. God bringing some change about in your life because you allow him and invite him to I wonder, what is it for you? What is it that God wants to bring to life or maybe area of change for you in your life this year? 
Maybe you've been believing God for something, holding on to a promise, but, but now you doubt that even God ever said it. It seems so long ago. I just feel God wants to bring some fresh life into some of those promises this morning and speak life into things because his presence brings life. Okay, point number three. You'll see there if you still got your Bible open that to start with, the river was very small. It just sort of trickled out, if you like. And then we see that it was, you know, ankle deep. Then it was knee deep. Then it was waist deep. Uh, and then Ezekiel found that he couldn't walk in it anymore. It was a river that he actually had to swim in to get anywhere. So the river started out small. It started out tiny. But it grew to something huge. Point number three. God's kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. God's kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. Isaiah puts it like this. He says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of all the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. He saw the kingdom of God is something growing. Time and again, the Bible uses imagery of nature, sort of plants and things that naturally grow and become larger to speak about the kingdom of God. Like a mustard seed, which starts off very tiny and becomes a huge plant. It's true of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is an advancing and a growing kingdom. That's what the Bible teaches us, time and time again. And what Ezekiel sees here is the river again illustrates it that God's kingdom, his presence, is something that grows and becomes larger. That's true of God's kingdom worldwide over time. And we're trusting it's true to what God is doing here in Jubilee. We've had some prophetic words that have spoken of that recently. And so we need to hear them and receive them with faith. And not go, oh, well, that, that sounds nice, but I don't think God could do it here. But rather take hold of them and say, yes, Lord, would you do it here? And believe God for it. And, and ask him for it. And, and take it with faith. So we need to respond in faith when God promises those sort of things. Receive it well and ask God to fulfill it. Pray it back to him and to plan accordingly as well. There's a, a river too, not only Ezekiel, but in Revelation. We haven't got time to unpack that this morning, but Revelation 22, again, we've got the river of God there, right, right there in the, in the book of Revelation. And again, you see the picture of a river that keeps cropping up in Scripture. And it speaks of the presence of God, as it does there in Revelation 22 as well. But the idea of the river symbolising God's presence, it also appears in the Gospels. And uh, we're going to look really briefly at John chapter 7. Just to help us understand that, if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it. John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus is, is speaking here, and uh, the context is the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll explain more about that in just a second. This is what Jesus says. He says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. 
So again, we've got an illustration here of, of living water. It's water, it's living, it's moving, it's flowing. So the, uh, the feast here is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Jews are remembering something that happened way back in their history. When they were in the desert, when Moses was leading them, they had no water. And they cried out to Moses and cried out to God. And Moses struck a rock with his staff and water gushed forth from it. And we're not just talking a trickle here. We're not just talking like turn the tap on like you might do at home. This was enough water to, uh, to refresh two million or so people, all their animals as well. It would have been a considerable amount of flowing water. So that's what they're remembering here at the Feast of Tabernacles. And in order to remember it, what happens is on the last, last and greatest day of the feast, the priests go up the temple steps, they fill up some large clay jars with water, and then they pour the water down the steps. And as they're doing that, they're remembering that God provided for them water when they needed it. Does it start to sound familiar already? This sort of water flowing out of the temple. You know, those seeing this enacted, those hearing Jesus, they were thinking, hang on, Ezekiel had something to say about this as well, didn't he? It wouldn't have been lost on them. So Jesus now speaks about living water. At just the time, they're, they're pouring this water down the steps. And again, the flowing water picture is used to talk about the Holy Spirit or the presence of God. In Ezekiel's vision, the river flowed from the temple, didn't it? It flowed out from the temple towards the sea. Even in, in what was enacting here in John 7, water was flowing down the temple steps, out of the temple. Now, now if we sort of jump forward to 2011, we haven't got a temple like that, have we? There's, there's not a building like that. You know, this, this building we come to on a Sunday you know, it's not like that. It's not set up as a temple. It's not designed to be. It's designed to be a place so we can gather and worship God. We're not coming to the temple like the, uh, like the Jews would have done. And the reason is that now you and I are the temple of God. You see, the temple signified the place where the presence of God dwelt. And that they went and worshipped there because that's where God was. His presence was in the temple. But now... You and I are the temple of God. You see, we're the carriers of the Holy Spirit. God resides by his Spirit within us. So it's like you and I are a portable temple. As we wander around, we're the temple of God. As we wander about, we're taking the presence of God with us. So it's not that we go to the temple anymore. Actually, we are the temple of God. His presence now dwells within us. So what it means is this. As you go around in everyday life, the presence of God should flow from you. You're a portable temple. That's what you are. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a portable temple. You're a portable temple. So what it means is this. Your home should be different because the river of God flows from you. Your workplace should be different because the river of God flows from you. 
It means your school or university should be different because the river of God flows from you. I wonder, is the river flowing in your life? Is it flowing in your life? Now, Jesus is obviously talking about what what we would term baptism in the Holy Spirit. And God wants your experience of him, his presence, the Holy Spirit, to be like that, to be a flowing thing, to be something that you do experience. And, And baptism in the Spirit isn't just so that you can enjoy worship or singing tongues or bring prophetic words. All those, all those things are good, and the Bible encourages us in them. Baptism in the Spirit is so that the river of God's presence can flow from you and flow out from you as you bring life to all around. You are a life giver. You are a life bringer. That's what you are. You're a portable temple. And the river of God is meant to flow out from you. But there are some obstructions. And this is where we begin to, to finish. Dave, if you could put the picture up for me, please. There are some obstructions that can occur in your life. And I was out taking a walk not so long ago. And I came across this waterfall in the place that I was walking. And you'll, you'll see that, uh, I know the picture isn't of great quality, but I think you can see what I'm going to illustrate to you. You'll see that the water's gushing over this, this sort of waterfall here. The river is flowing. It's flowing down across it. But right in the middle there, there's no water flowing, is there? Can you see that? There's just a little bit trickling down. And I thought, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. And so I took a look. And you can see that right in the middle, I don't know if you can see it on that, that picture, maybe on the next one, you can see there's some gunk. It's my technical phrase, okay? <laughs> there is some gunk that has built up and has stopped the river flowing. Do you see it there right in the middle? So the effect you get is like that. So where the river is clear, you can see it too here. There's like a log there, and there's not so much water running down there. Something has got in the way, and it has stopped the river flowing. There we are. You can see it there in that one in the middle. And that can be true of our lives as well. And as I was thinking and praying about this, I was, I was asking God, what is it that can cause a blockage in our lives from the river of God? Well, there are things that can uh, cause a blockage to God's presence flowing in our lives as well. There's some of these things. So, for example, unbelief. Now, unbelief is okay if it's your starting point. If that's where you are, and that's your starting point, that's okay, providing you don't stay there, providing you you move on. You might be familiar with the passage in one of the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark, where uh, a guy brings his son to Jesus. In fact, well, actually, he brings in the disciples for him to be healed, and the disciples can't heal him. And uh, he comes to Jesus and, uh, and asks Jesus to heal his son. And, and the boy's father exclaims in Mark 9, 24, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now that's okay. It's okay to say to God, I, I want to believe, but I'm struggling. Will you help me here? That's okay. Because you can move on from there. But if you don't deal with unbelief, it can lead to cynicism. 
Now, cynicism is dangerous. Cynicism says things like, ah, I've heard it all before. Cynicism says, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard about this presence of God before. Yeah, 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 I've seen it all, yeah, whatever. Cynicism says, oh, yeah, somebody had a prophetic word, but it never worked out, and I don't believe God for it anymore. Cynicism can become a mindset. And you end up resisting, if you're not very careful, you end up resisting what God wants to do. And it's not just that there's a blockage in your life, it's that you become the blockage to what God wants to do in you and also through other people as well. Cynicism is dangerous. It needs to be repented of, ask God to forgive you and get back on track with him. Lack of faith can cause a blockage as well. Well, you don't believe God for it. Jesus rebukes his disciples for their lack of faith in Mark 16. So we need to to make sure we believe God, to have faith in what he said. And if we're struggling with it, like in unbelief, to ask him to help us. And sin, too, can be a blockage to what God wants to do in your life, particularly if it's persistent. It mars your relationship with God. All these things can be a blockage to what God wants to do. If it's sin, then deal with it. Root it out. Confess it to God. Repent of it. Ask him to deal with it. Get rid of it from your life. And it's, it's not just by trying harder that that happens that you'll overcome, but it's by getting closer to God and giving things to him and living in the good of the strength that he provides. So let me wrap up. God wants the river of his spirit to flow in your life. So let me ask you, is the river of God flowing in your life? If you had to answer the question honestly, I wonder what would you say? Are you thirsty for more of God? Are you thirsty for more of his spirit? For that river to flow through you? For you to be an effective portable temple, if you like? Maybe you, you don't yet have that relationship with God. You're thinking, well, I'm not sure about all this. You know, it, it sounds interesting, but I, I'm not sure I fully understand it yet. And I, I don't really have that relationship with God yet where his presence is flying through me and I'm experiencing his love and his grace. So for you, it might be, well, you just want to know more about what that is. And that's okay. Because God wants to reveal more about that even this morning to you and show you that he's a loving father, a loving God who is for you, not against you, and wants to draw you into a relationship with himself. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for his presence? Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.